Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this day and the opportunity to be in your house. I'm thankful for everyone that is here. I pray, Lord, your anointing upon this message and upon your servant. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. <clears throat> now, we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. This is our number six message on the, on the subject. And uh, there's going to be a lot more to go. I don't know how long it's going to be. I won't know until I'm almost on the last one, then I'll know. Because I think I'm going to be able to cover more material. And if you know me, you know that I can preach an hour on one verse. Amen. Matter of fact, remember when I preached six weeks on one verse? <laughs> Somebody say, oh, yeah, we remember. <laughs> so I don't want to rush through the things because these are important. The Sermon on the Mount is important. We need to realize the Sermon on the Mount wasn't for the world. It was for us as believers. When we try to apply it, when the world tries to apply it, I'm not sure they're better off than they were before. But Jesus was speaking to us as believers. And we are been in the Beatitudes. Now, these are Beatitudes. These are the attitudes we're supposed to be. We aren't supposed to have these attitudes. We're supposed to be these attitudes. And all these things that uh, uh, Jesus talks about are attributes that he possesses. And when he, when he dwells in us, we can possess those same attitudes if we yield to him. So we found out that the Beatitudes tell us how to be happy. We have a world out there that wants to be happy. I want to be happy, don't you? I do. I want to, we, we just kind of misconstrue what we think happiness is. We think happiness involves stuff. Stuff doesn't make you happy. How do I know that? Look at Hollywood. Look at all your rock stars. They have everything that they could possibly want, and yet they're not happy. Why is that? Because stuff doesn't cause happiness, doesn't bring it. You can't make somebody else happy, no matter how hard you try. If you're happy, you're the one that's responsible for it. We found out that unhappiness is not getting what you want. I'm not happy when I don't get my own way. But getting my own way doesn't necessarily make me happy. I prefer getting my own way to not getting my own way. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. It, it's nicer, but that isn't going to make us happy. It's only the things, only God can make us happy. And happiness starts from within and comes out, not the outside coming in. Because you can't force happiness onto someone, no matter how hard we try. I wish we could, but we can't. Then this world would be a better place to a certain degree, we think. Oh, no, it wouldn't, because unless it's on the inside, it, they will never be happy. We're not built that way. We're built to only be happy in Christ. And that's what we're looking at. Now, we looked at the, put the next slide up, please. Uh, we said, now I'm just going to review these right quick. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> we realize that these, this is the time when we as people realize that we're lost. We know we're sinners. We've come to that. And man, I'll tell you, it's, when we do that, that's the first step to becoming a Christian. Knowing that we're lost. And for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Only believers are allowed into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that you know is going to, into the kingdom of heaven. It's not going to happen. So, and then the next verse, uh, blessed are those who mourn for those they will be comforted. When we mourn things that God mourns. Now we know that we should mourn over our sins. I feel bad about my sins. We should feel bad. And, uh, <clears throat> but we, when we mourn over them, then that's when we can come to God and say, I know I'm lost, but only you can save me. It isn't enough just to know you're lost. You have to know how you're going to be able to be saved. And that's where we realize that. Then blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When we become believers, we become obedient to God. We don't want our own way anymore. Our own way didn't do anything for us. So God, when he comes into our lives, we are meek. We become meek. And now, 
A lot of people think meekness is weakness, and it's not. It has nothing to do with weakness. People don't. What meek is is that a willing submission to God. We, God doesn't force us to obey him. But we are willing when we become Christians, God changes our heart, he changes our attitude, and he changes the way we want to do things. And when we do that, we're willing and obedient to his word. And when we do that, then that's a progression. All these are a progression of things. We find Jesus, we get saved, and we become obedient to his word. And that's what we're supposed to be. If, you're, if we're in rebellion, then we need to confess that sin and come back and be obedient. Next, next slides. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When we come to Christ, there's a hunger that's placed in our heart. A hunger, yeah, he will fill it. But we, want to, we keep eating more of the word, drinking the word, doing all those things because we want to live right. Righteousness isn't some holier-than-thou type attitude. It's doing what's right. Not by our standard, but by God's standard. And when we hunger and thirst to do what's right, God will provide those things for us, and ultimately we will be filled. When he comes and changes us, that's the ultimate filling of being satisfied in God. That's it. And then <clears throat> verse 7 said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We try to, and we are to a certain degree. We are compassionate. We show mercy to people to a certain degree. But we kind of do it because we feel obligated to do it in a lot of times. We feel bad. You know, they show those pictures of the kids that are, that are so skinny and, and they're, they're wasting away to nothing. So you, they'll get you to send money to them. I can tell you, if you're giving money to charities, I mean, that's good and I'm glad. But make sure you check them out first. Because some people, all they got is some sad pictures. And they make themselves rich on your compassion and your mercy. So check out the, who they are before you support them. I've done that with the, with the uh, ministry that Calander's involved with. And if I didn't see that they were uh, where the money goes and those kind of things, we wouldn't be doing this and she wouldn't be doing this. But the money needs to go to the need. So don't get be lost or be faked out or whatever it is about those pictures they show on TV. The best place to give money is through Christian organizations because most of the money gets there. I had a friend years ago that worked for United Way. And you know that work, they're always saying, oh, you've got to give to United Way. We want 100% participation. Do they still do that? Yeah. Well, i got news for you. Only about 15 to 20% of that money that you give gets to the need. If you're lucky, that's it. The rest of it goes into people's pockets. Overhead. They're paying people to go out there and convince you to give money. Well, I want to give 80 cents on the dollar to the need, don't you? This 10% is, not, is, is great for tithes, and God asks us for the 10%, but why want to give to things that are going to get to the need? So do that. If you're giving to United Way, stop. Give to the organizations where the money's going to get there. Oh, yeah. So we want to make sure that we check those things out, and you're obligated. See, we don't own anything. God owns everything. When we come to him, we bring everything with us. We don't say, well, God, I'm, here I am, but you can't have my car. You can't have my house. You can't have my money. It's mine. Well, nothing's yours. It all belongs to him. Whether you're a Christian or not, everything belongs to him. You don't believe that? He could, one day it could all be gone. So everything that we have belongs to him. So when we give out of the right, right attitude, God blesses it. I lived better on 90% than I ever did on the 100%. That's a proven fact. You test yourself. It's amazing. I should have brought those statistics about that. And this was the statistics that the world did, not the church. And they found out that people that, that, are, that give to the church 
are happier. They have more stuff. <laughs> They're better off. And uh, I don't have all those numbers one of these days. I'll give that, but <clears throat> that's what God wants us to do. Nothing, we don't own nothing. So when we submit to him, uh, we're merciful. His mercy flows through us. Nothing, none of these attributes is ours. It is not something that's in our nature. We're selfish in our nature. But when God comes into our life, we can show mercy. And it's not our mercy flowing through us. He loves us, and it's his love that flows through us. So these are things that we have to do. Uh, Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The pure in heart. After we become a believer, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, and he starts telling us, clean up your act. Amen. Doesn't he? How many of you had to change things since you got saved? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with, with him. Uh, and I can testify to him. <laughs> and he can, he can testify to me, too. So you want to know about something? Go ask him. He's loaded with stories, too. I know you've heard a lot about this one. So we have, a, when we want to be pure in heart, not so we can say, oh, I am better than you are. I am so wonderful. I, I do all these things for God. Oh, and it has nothing to do with it. We want to do things because God lives within us. And the Holy Spirit wants to get rid of those things that are stumbling blocks to us. And he doesn't do it all at once. See, that's the problem a lot of people face. They say, well, I come to God and I still want a cigarette. Well, there's some things we have to fight through and struggle through in order to let God get the victory over us. Because we live in a world that we give everything. If you give everything to your kids, they will grow up ungrateful. That's the reality of it. You need to make your kids work for things, and we work for things. There's a world out there with an entitlement mentality. They grew up and think, hey, we're supposed to give it to them for free. That isn't the way it works. We need to teach them to be grateful and thankful, and we do that by teaching them what's right and wrong, being pure in our motives, the why we do things. And I ask God, I say, God, let me do this for the right reason. I don't want to do it for the wrong reason. I don't want to do it for my benefit. I want to do it for yours. And when we do that and we ask God to help us, he will take care of those things. He will help us clean up our life to where we need to be. Now, are we still going to sin? Yeah, we're still going to sin. I'm still a sinner. I still have that sin nature in me, but I don't have to yield to it. And when God comes into our life, he gives us that strength to say no. We tell our kids, just say no. Well, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he says, just say no. You don't have to do this. You don't have to live that way anymore. You're going to have to struggle with it. I struggled with some things, but some things God just took away just like that. I like that better. But we are stronger when we struggle with stuff. That makes you stronger. You notice when you look at a weight lifter or whatever, they got these, you know, muscular bodies and stuff, and think, oh, man, that looks good. Well, I like it to a certain degree, but I think the over-muscular I don't care for. You know, just a little bit, it's nice and whatever. But they sit there and they do all these things, and you go ask them, and they say, you ask them, how'd you get that way? They say, oh, I was born this way. How many would believe that? You know, no, you wouldn't believe it. How do you know that? Because you know you don't have a body like that. <laughs> so they got there by lifting weights. And they didn't start out lifting 200 pounds. If they did, they only did it once. And then they paid it for it for the next two weeks. And if you've ever exercised, you know it's not easy to exercise. I hate exercising. I think, man, when are they going to invent something I like to do? <laughs> But every day, six days a week, I'm on my elliptical and I'm going like this. I think, oh God, why can't you just make me like this without the work? 
you know. But there's a lot of benefits to it. But if we want to be strong in the Lord, it's through things that we need to do, things we struggle with. <clears throat> and weightlifters, when you ask them, they first had trouble with 20 pounds, going with curls, 20-pound curls. They had struggle with it. But after a long time, pretty soon it's nothing for them, so then they go to 50 pounds. And as they start more weights and more weights, their body changes. Well, the same thing happens to us spiritually. The more we yield to God, the more we struggle with stuff that we're having problems with, the stronger we get. And pretty soon we have a buff spirit. So, <laughs> my, my son's saying, you're embarrassing me. Hide it out. <laughs> but we want strong spirits, right? One's press the devil and throw him down. Hey, that's great. All right. All right. And then we can just stomp on him. So if the devil's giving you a problem, bench press him and stomp on him because Jesus said he's under our feet. But who puts him there? We have to. So we need to struggle with things in order to do that. And all these things are for believers. And it's a transition. We're not going to get them all at once. Or we could. You could in a little while. But it's something we have to struggle with. And he adds to these things every day. But the most important thing is you come become a believer. I mean, you can imitate these things, try to, but it's a lot harder to do. But when the one who is these things, he is pure, he is merciful, he is righteousness, everything lives within us, it just comes out. We don't have to work as hard. So if you're working hard at it, give it to God and let him take care of it, because he will. <clears throat> to, uh, today I want to look at the seventh beatitude. And that's in, found in Matthew 5, 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Peacemakers. Wow, we hear a lot about peace today, don't we? And there are three types of people. There are peace breakers, peace fakers, and peacemakers. In uh, Proverbs 16:28, this is out of the Message Bible. It says, troublemakers start fights, gossip breaks up friendships. Now, peace breakers are people that go out of their way to cause problems. Have you met any of those? Do you work with any of those? <laughs> I mean, they do everything they can. They disagree to disagree, just to be disagreeing. They love to get our goat. And that, that's their calling in life. Troublemakers. They're just not happy unless they're calling, causing trouble somewhere. That's just in them. And these aren't believers that do this. I mean, I mess up once in a while, and sometimes I, you know, they cause a little bit of trouble here and there. Don't, don't plan on it, but I do. But generally, this is their lifestyle. They go from one problem to the other, and they just cause it. We have, um, I don't know whether you've heard of it, George Soros. He's the billion, billion, up to billion, trillionaire, whatever he is. And he thinks it's fun to control economies. He likes to build up a country and tear it down. And he has enough money to do it. That's his, that's his forte. That's what he likes to do. How do I know that? Because I heard him say it. He said that. He spoke those words. I think it's good to do that. And what gets me is he's a Jewish man. I'm going, man, are you lost or what? What God could do if you just give back into your roots. But they're just troublemakers. They just run around and see what kind of problems that they can cause. They have a chip on their shoulder too. And they just sit there and dare it. I dare you to knock it off. Go ahead. I dare you. And... That's their life. That's their calling. Not a good one. They fight about anything and everything. I think sometimes when my dad was around, uh, he just loved to cause problems. Him and I would argue all the time. Just because he thought it was fun to argue. 
And so I'd play his game because I'd like to have, you know, I want to make my dad happy if I can. <laughs> of course, it's usually I'm always on the other side of the thing until he got saved. But anyway, there's people that that's their goal in life. And that isn't your goal as a Christian. Uh, Proverbs 22:11 out of the uh, Message Bible, it says, God loves the pure-hearted and well-spoken. Good leaders also delight in their friendships. Now, friendship is characterized by learning about people and being friends. I have friends that I don't agree with everything they do. There's things I have to overlook. There's things I need to try to do or not do because we're friends. And that's all of us in the church should be friends. We're a family, but we should be friends. I know the families bicker and all those other kind of things, but a friend is, is a little different to a certain degree. They're, we've chose them. We can't choose our relatives, but we can choose our friends. That's the reality of our life. And... <clears throat> There's a lot of things we overlook in, the, in our friends that we won't overlook in people in the church. We treat the world, a lot of cases, better than we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's sad. That's a sad thing for us as believers. We should treat better than anyone else in the world. We should give them the benefit of the doubt, knowing that they, somebody didn't do something on purpose to hurt you. They're not trying to hurt you. I'd never in my entire life ever purposely wanted to hurt somebody. Well... As a Christian, I guess I should stipulate that. <laughs> Before I was a Christian, I wanted to hurt a lot of people. <laughs> don't mess with me, I'll punch your lights out. That was my theology, you know. But as a Christian, we don't want to hurt anybody on purpose. I don't want to hurt anybody. It's too hard. I don't like saying I'm sorry and I hate it since I got saved. I say it a lot. <laughs> Before, I didn't worry about it. Now I do because God tells me, you need to take care of this. And I have to. Of course, he changes my heart and then he makes, me, makes it okay for me to do that. But we do more for our friends in the world than we do in, in the church. And that, it shouldn't be like that. This is the group we're spending eternity with, the body of Christ. These are the ones we should give the, be, the, the best things for and hear the best about. Here, not the world. And yet we, we don't do that. We treat the world in many cases better than our own, own, own people in church. The second group is called peace fakers. <clears throat> now, these are the kind of people who go to any length to avoid conflict. Have you known anybody like that? Man, they will agree, no matter what it is, if they're on this, this issue, they'll agree with this group, and then they go over here, and then they agree with this group, because they don't want to offend anybody. Now, I don't want to offend anybody either, but sometimes you can't help it. Jesus offended a lot of people. How do I know that? They killed him. <laughs> they went out of their way to get rid of him, because they got offended. Now, how in the world could anybody be offended by Jesus? All he did was good. He went around healing people. He told the people how to live, all the good things. He did that. But the religious, it was the richest people that didn't like it because they were stealing his congregation and they didn't like it. So we'll just get rid of him. But we're going to offend people as believers unless you are a peace faker and all you want to do is have peace no matter what. There's a price for peace. And we, if, if we're not worried about being offended, we, we try to say, oh, I can't do this, I'll offend them. And so we're, we, we filter everything because we don't want to offend anybody. But we can't please everybody. We can't please all of the people all the time. We can only please some of the people some of the time. So if we're sitting running around trying to, to keep peace and we're trying to, to agree with people thinking that's what's going to happen to get peace, we're mistaken. We can't. That, that's faking peace. And faked peace does not last. And you will not have peace in your heart because you'll know when you agree with somebody over here about an issue you know God doesn't like 
You're going to have the Holy Spirit yelling and screaming at you. Anyway, hopefully he will if you've yielded to him enough. God doesn't want us to fake things, but when the peace enters our heart, we are. We want to have true peace, and we won't be faking it. And I don't worry. There's sometimes you just have to offend people. I've had to tell go up to people and tell, tell them, you know, this is what the Bible says about this, and I think you need to change something. You say, have I done that? Yeah, I've done that. I don't like doing it, but I've done it. I don't like conflict, but I won't avoid it if I have to. If we're sitting there running around trying to avoid conflict, we will never be happy. We will never find peace. And that isn't God's will for our life. Peace at any price is not peace. We can't fake peace at the expense of truth. The truth remains true whether you believe it or not. (laughs) doesn't matter. See, that's the one thing about truth. It doesn't require whether I believe it or not. Truth is truth no matter what. We, I can choose not to believe it, but that doesn't change the fact that it's still true. The, the third group, the group that we're kind of talking about this morning, is peacemakers. Now, peacemakers' main concern is to glorify God. That's our main, that's what should be our main concern as believers. We want to glorify God in everything we do, so we, want to, we try to watch what we say. We try to do things and not purposely hurt people. There's ways to say things that is kind, and there's ways to see, say things that is hurtful. And if we have God living within us, he'll help us do those things. You can say things that that people don't agree with and still not hurt them. We can do that, but only when God lives in us we can. Because I, you know, my mother was the same way. She said, I'm just going to say it. They needed to hear it. Yeah, but there's a way to say things. You can say the same thing, but be kind about it. And that's what God does in our heart. He does things that are, wants us to do things that are kind. Be kind to one another. Now, the number one problem that we have... Are these things? Yeah. This gets us in a lot of trouble, doesn't it? If people could just control this, there would be all kinds of peace in this world. If we could just shut it up, not say something. I know there's times I'd like to say something. from God, just let me say it. I could put them in their place. I'll take care of it. You do the same thing, don't you? See, this is the thing that if God control this, man, I'll tell you, he really has a power over you. Because this is the hardest thing for us to control as believers. We think that they need our two cents worth. And we're going to give it to them whether they like it or not. But see, if we have kindness and want to glorify God, if I say this, is this going to glorify God? If we just ask that question, well, we'll have the answer. God will help us do it. And you say, well, man, I can't help it. It just come out. No, it didn't just come out. It came out because you didn't filter it. I've learned, over the, I still do it once in a while, but I'm not as bad as I used to be. I used to say, you know, I just say it. I don't care. It didn't even stop here. It just went out my mouth. I didn't care. They like it or not. Bother me. Now I say, God, give me that second. And you know a second in your mind is really a long time? It is, really. It can be a long time. Say, God, let me think about this before I say it. That's being a peacemaker. Not causing trouble, not a... That isn't what God wants us to do. But if we can control this, hey, we got the victory in our life. See, this was meant and designed to praise God. And when we use this for that, all the other things kind of fall in line. But we need to learn to control this, and only God can do it. Peacemakers tell the truth and then trust God for the outcome. Sometimes the truth hurts people. I'm not going to apologize for that. We can't. If you're trying to to not tell the truth because you don't want to hurt somebody, you're faking it. 
God wants you to tell the truth and pray for the outcome that he will do what it needs to take. Because sometimes it, God speaks truth to our hearts and it hits our hearts. Oh, yeah, that needs to be done. I understand that. So when we're refusing to tell the truth in a kind way, then we are not only hurting them, we're hurting us. So we need to understand that. Peacemakers want lasting and worthwhile peace without compromise. We can't compromise our uh, things that we believe in for peace. We can't. When we do, pretty soon we'll be compromising on something else, and pretty soon everything is a compromise. God didn't call us to compromise about anything that he says we, we shouldn't compromise on truth. So we need to understand that. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Peacemakers attack the problem, not the person. We have a tendency to ta- attack the person, don't we? But I, we need to look at the problem. I tell people, you know, I had a hard time with people when I realized they're just sinners and they need to be saved. So we need to understand that the only thing that's going to change them is God. We can't attack the person because they're just, they just have a sinful nature, same as we do. We're all sinners. We all do things that we don't, we're not proud of. I wouldn't a lot of things in my life being up on this screen. I know you wouldn't either. But if you don't put it under the blood, it, one day it's going to show up, <laughs> show up to the world. I want to make sure God every day, look at my heart. Oh, God, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. Get it under the blood. Don't get under the blood. Actually, the blood destroys it. But uh, we need to understand that uh, we need to be careful about certain things. We don't want to attack the person. And we have a tendency to do that, especially if we're angry, don't we? Couples, we found this out, that when your husband does something, your wife does something you don't like, you're just, ah, man, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt him back. If you took our series on love and respect, you understand that this is common. And it tells you how to uh, not deal with that so hard. But we need to understand, not attack the person with the problem. And I know that some things I don't like to talk about, because I got that little Ned. Pastor Smith used to call it Ned lives in here still. That's your old nature. And he just sticks up his ugly head when you don't want it to. And makes a statement that we have to make, say, I'm sorry for later, in Ephesians 4, 31, 32. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. We can't fo- focus on fixing the problem until we're focused on not blaming others. When we're focused on the, on the problem and not the people, not figuring out how we can, then we'll work on it. It'll work. Romans 12, 18. <clears throat> Do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Whatever possible in our, on our part to live at peace. We have a, a reality in our life that we have to deal with. And we, there's some things we don't have to say. There's some things we don't have to do in order to get along with people. As far as it depends on me, I don't want to cause problems. And if we could just get, get rid of this problem in here, you know, the old nature, get him pushed down, filled up with the Spirit... And the one that uh, grows, you have a spiritual nature and a physical nature. The one that's the strongest is the one you feed. So I want to feed my spiritual nature and get Ned out of the way. Just say, get down in there, lay down, get got up, shut up, boy. Whatever it needs to. And we all have that nature in us. If we want peace in our home, our marriage, our church, there is always a price. You're not going to have peace without a price. Every peace treaty that's ever been negotiated, they had a price. You will quit doing this and we'll do this. There was all those kind of things going on. And maybe we need to say to our wife, maybe my wife was right. Maybe my husband had a point. Maybe my co-worker 
did have a le- uh, legitimate gripe. When we have this, when the Holy Spirit lives within us and we, we desire or want to be a peacemaker, then we start looking at their side of things, not just our own. Because we are blinded by our own way of wanting to do it. We are blinded by it, and only God can open our eyes to their opinion. And um, so, <clears throat> and stopping trouble should make everybody happy. I would love not to have any trouble in this world. I would. But it isn't feasible until the Prince of Peace comes. Now, in the Old Testament thinking, peace was the word shalom. How many of you heard that word, shalom? Now, when we was in Israel, every time we, we met and passed an ascetic Jew, now you know them because they're the ones that wear the black and the curly things on the side of their faces and all that. The ascetic Jews, well, if you passed them, they would say shalom. And you would answer back shalom, just like hi or how you doing. And that word meant peace. Now, that same word, although Garrett Greg was used for greeting. It was carried over the meaning into the New Testament. How many know that the New Testament wasn't written when the disciples were on the earth? They wrote it. (laughs) They wrote it down as things happened. So they were living basically in the Old Testament era, the Old Testament thinking. So when they were talking about peace to a certain degree, they were talking about it in the Old Testament way of thinking. And um, so... It, unlike, but it isn't like our concept of peace. When I say peace, you have a different concept than what this peace is. In the um, shalom, when greeting didn't simply mean that you wish a person absence from bad things, it also meant wishing them all possible good things. Old Testament peace, not only freedom from all trouble, it meant enjoyment to all good. So when you said shalom to someone, you were saying, I wish you peace. I wish you all the good things in your life. I wish you no bad things. So it meant a lot more then than it does now. So blessing is on the peacemaker, not necessarily the peace lovers. A person can love peace and cause so much unrest. It's not, it's not funny, isn't it? Have you ever met people like that? They think they're, think they're peacemaker and all they do is cause trouble with their actions. Lady Astor said to Churchill, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your coffee. Winston Churchill said, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. You know, there's some people that just cause. And sometimes when you cause trouble, you get it back at you. And sometimes it ain't pretty. Some, you know. But we can ca- we cause problems and we don't have to sometimes. Just by something that we say, something that we do. We don't intend to hurt somebody, but yet we do. So we have to look at our lives every day and say, God, did I hurt anybody today? Did I, did I do something that didn't please you today? I want to evaluate my life and say, God, get rid of that. Help me not to do that again. And when we do that, then God will do it inside us. We can win peace by resistance to evil or buy it by compromise with evil. There's going to be peace one way or the other. Of course, the world's peace isn't, isn't like God's peace. We can either win it or not. Peace isn't passive acceptance of wrong. It's a triumph of God's doing what's right. Peace is a triumph because it's an internal attitude, not necessarily an external one. Usually we see the external, external results of an inward peace in our bodies and our lives as believers, and in nations too. You can see the, the peace in a nation when they have peace. And so far, I we aren't living in an era of peace, are we? Man, there's war, rumors of war everywhere you look. I'll tell you, there's no peace in the world. The only ones that can have peace is us as believers. And if you don't have peace in your heart and you're a believer, you need to get on your knees and say, God, give me peace. Let you reign in my heart more. Because he, when he comes in, he gives you peace. It doesn't matter. I sit there and look around. and don't matter to me what's going on. I know God's in control. I have peace in my heart. doesn't matter what happens in the world because I know he's in charge. 
So I don't have to worry about it. And worrying isn't going to change anything. How many have ever changed anything by worrying? I haven't. I haven't changed one thing in my life. All I do is I go to sleep and I sit there and I worry it over. And I keep turning that over in my, in my mind. And pretty soon that little titty thing that I thought was about this big turned into a great huge thing. Why? Because I keep feeding it. I keep feeding it until it becomes hard to deal with. Just say, God, I'm not worrying about it. I'll give it to you. Let, you can have it. Take care of it. Then we'll be fine. There are estimated, let's see, what is it? In the last 4,000 years, it's been estimated that there's only been three years of, 300 years of world peace in the last 4,000 years. That isn't even 10% of the years. We live in a world that's all messed up. And every year that number changes. There are more than 300,000 child soldiers in this world. Kids, little kids like the kids that took out the children's church. They turn them into soldiers. There's over 300,000 of them. And they get more and more and more who are forced to kill people, forced to live in combat situations. They force them to do it. And when they're little, they're easier to, to dictate things to. You will go over there and kill that person. I'm shooting your mom or I'm killing your dad. Sure, they're going to go do it. And now that weapons are a lot lighter to use, they can do it. They can go over there. And they don't have to worry about them complaining as much as adults do. So they like these child soldiers. But it's not our government that does it. It's the other government that does it. And they go in and they get, I know that you, you, whether you've heard, seen movies about these, this kind of thing going on or documentaries, but it's going on in the world today. Babies, by our standards, are out there being told to kill people. We don't have any peace in this world. The First World War was supposed to have been the war to end all wars. Did it end it? No. Then we had the Second year World War was supposed to end all wars. Did it end it? No. We still have war. There's more wars and rumors of war going on today than ever in any time in my lifetime. And I've been around a few years. A lot longer than mo a lot of you here. There's only a couple here I think that's older than me. You know who you are. So, but there's not peace. You can't have peace unless the Prince of Peace is with us. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Now, Jesus is not refer referring to peacekeepers. There's a difference. Peacekeepers are supposed to keep the peace that's already there. They establish a treaty. You throw soldiers in there, people in there, to make sure that they obey that treaty. And how many know that most of the treaties have been broken? By us or our enemies, if you will. Peace treaties means that because, you know, you make a treaty with the Muslim world in a lot of cases. They say, oh, yeah, we, we agree to this, only because they don't want you to do anything against them while they build up their armors and their armies. That's what peace treaties are for them, just time to build up more armor, build up and build more uh, weapons. So the peacemaker act actively overcomes evil with good, finds satisfaction in removing hostilities. That's what the peacemaker wants to do. And then you can't get people together and say, well, okay, I agree to do this, and you agree to do this, and okay, you try to things. But when God does it, he does it here. When he changes the heart, you can actually have peace with your neighbor. When you love God, you can actually get along with your neighbor, even if they're jerks most of the time. You can. Because God loves them. God loves them just as much as he loves you. Put the next slide up, please. True peace isn't the absence of conflict or two enemies who are not fighting. True peace is an absence of conflict when opposite sides are brought together in righteousness, ending in a right relationship. Peacemakers strive to prevent contention and strife. They are not peacekeepers. 
Peacemakers use their influence to reconcile strife among individuals, families, churches, and the community. Peacemakers change hostile attitudes to attitudes that seek the best interests of everyone. That's what we're supposed to do, seek the best interests of everyone. Uh, John Kerry's over there trying to get a peace treaty done with, between Israel and the Palestinians. But he's prejudiced against Israel. He's not their friend. I'm Israel's friend. Most of the Christian world are Israel's friend. But we got somebody over there telling Israel they need to give up this and they need to do that. When they got so much little dinky quadrant of land compared to the Muslim world. If the Muslims want to have them, let them have a homeland, give it to them. You have more land than they do, but they don't want that. Netanyahu, who's the president or prime minister of Israel, said, if, we, if the Muslims or the Palestinians laid down their weapons, we'd have peace. But if Israel laid down their weapons, there would be no more Israel. Amen. That's the reality of it. There's no way, no peace treaty is ever going to be made over there. There's going to be one that's going to set up when the Antichrist comes. That will happen. But we won't be here for that, so I'm not worried about that. But then, and then it's only going to be uh, through a show of force. It's going to be forced peace. We're not going to have peace till the Prince of Peace comes. That's the only time we're going to have peace. So we need to... Some people believe that actually believe the only purpose of religion is to give us moral values. That's all. That's all it's good for. But they don't understand that we have moral values because we're saved. It's not a religion. A religion don't work. I don't care which one you have. Pick one. No religion can save you and no religion can help you live a life you want to live. It's pressure. It's external bondage is what it is. No religion can do it. Only God living inside of us can set us free and we can live a relationship with him and then we can do it. It's easier to do that way. I can live a relationship, but I can't live a religion. It's like trying to be married to somebody that you never live with. That'd be hard. If you don't have a relationship with them, you can't build a marriage. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible to live a religion. That's why Jesus came. Make true peacemakers show courage, compassion, competence, commitment, and show Christ. That's what we do as, as peacemakers. Telemachus, I don't even remember, can't pronounce his name, a monk who lived in the 4th century felt God telling him to go to Rome. He packed his possessions and went. When he arrived, people were gathering in the streets. He asked why and was told that it was the day gladiators would be fighting and killing each other in the Colosseum. He ran to the Colosseum and heard the gladiators say, Hail Caesar, we die for Caesar. And he thought, this isn't right. He jumped over the railing and into the middle of the arena, got between two gladiators, held up his hands and said, In the name of Christ, forbear! Or don't do this. The crowd protested and began to shout, Run him through! A gladiator came over and hit him in the stomach with the, with the back of his sword. It sent him sprawling in the sand. He got up and ran back and, back and again said, In the name of Christ, forbear! The crowd continued to chant, Run him through! came over and plunged his sword through the monk's stomach, and he fell into the sand, which began to turn red with his blood. One last time he gasped, In the name of Christ, forbear. A hush came over the 80,000 people in the Colosseum. Soon a man stood and left, then another, and with minutes the arena was empty. It was the last known gladiator contest in the history of Rome. One person can make a difference. One person can change things in, your, in their life when they want peace. You can do it. It's going to cost us something, but we can do it. Colossians 1.20. 
and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. He's the one that provided peace for us. He's the one that made a covenant with us, and he signed it with his blood. Peace treaties aren't that, uh, don't last, but this one will. Jesus came and he, he made peace between us and God. When man sinned in the Garden of Eden, it caused a war that happened between man and God. We didn't want God in our lives anymore. You wonder why we're in a mess? Romans 1, chapter 1 tells us, for they decided not to hold God in their knowledge. They didn't want to agree that God existed. They wanted to do what he told them to. So therefore, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. That means not knowing what's right and wrong. They don't know. So when you look at somebody say, man, and I do this all the time, I say, man, how stupid can that be? Why are they doing these kind of things? Can't they see? It doesn't make sense. No, because they're reprobate. When you don't serve God, you have truth doesn't reign in your heart. You don't know what truth is. You accept whatever someone tells you is truth because you don't know. And it isn't their fault to a certain degree. It's the sin nature inside of us. And that's where I was before I come Christ. I was a reprobate. I was rebellious against God. I was all those things. But God changed me. And now I can sit there and think, oh God, I pray for those circumstances. When you hear about something going on, pray for it. And hopefully it touches your heart and say, oh man, God have mercy on this. Change this. I'll tell you, that'll keep you on your knees a long time when you pray for all that kind of stuff. The news is not full of good things, it's full of bad things. And the world makes a living on the bad things. But God wants us to, to do, think about things that are good, think about things that are pure. But he's the ultimate peacemaker, and he's the prince of peace. And he's calling each of us to accept his peace, he offers. And then he's not only calling us to peace, he's calling us to be peacemakers. That's what God wants us to be, peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they would be called the sons of God. Why are peace, peacemakers blessed? We're different. We're different than the world. We're not looking at all the negative. We're looking at the positive. I still believe we can have a revival here. I still believe that America can be returned to its roots. And I pray for that. If you're not praying for it, you need to start. Because God said, pray for your leaders. And if you're not doing it, you're going against God's will. Because he told us to pray. And God can change him. I can't change him. God can. And when God changes their heart, it will change the nation. That's all we need to do. See, when we accept Christ, we're the true peacemaker lives in us. And when he lives in us, we can't help but be, let his peace flow through us. Our reward for being a peacemaker is we are called the sons of God. Now, don't miss this meeting. Look at this next verse. And his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. That's the same word in the Greek for both those words. So it isn't just, you know, Michael, come for dinner. That isn't what that's saying. They be called. He was named John. So when we stand before God, he's calling us his children. Woo! That's exciting, isn't it? I'm not just the neighbor's kid. I'm his child. He's called me his child. He's called you his child if you know him as your savior. This isn't just a word. This is something he's, he's <coughs> going to tell us. Remember there's a verse that says if we, did, if we confess him before men, before our father, he's called us his son. Don't get worried, ladies, because it says sons, because that's not means that only the men make it. <laughs> He's called each of us his son when we live for him. I want to be a peacemaker, don't you? Let's pray. <clears throat>
Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm thankful that you made peace with my relationship and God's. I'm thankful, Lord, for that because of your sacrifice. I have a new name. I belong to a new family. And I have all the blessings that you provided for us as believers. But I know, Lord, there might be someone here, Lord, that doesn't know you. And I just ask, Lord, that you'd help them to make that decision. Because time's short. I don't know how long we have, and I don't know what, what's going to go on in the world. But, Lord, only the peace, Prince of Peace, dwelling in our hearts can change it to where we're not worrying about tomorrow, or we're not worrying about what's going to happen. Lord, I pray, Lord, if they're here today, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them to make that decision for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know most of us are believers, but I don't like to not give an opportunity to someone that may not know him. You have to make your peace with God. You have to, or you're not going to heaven. You're not going to be in the kingdom if you don't have peace with God. And it's so easy to get peace with God. All you got to do is say, accept the payment for your sin. That's it. Wow, that's hard. God requires so much of us. Of course, yeah, we, when we bring him our sin, we're giving him our life. But a life living for God is a lot better and happier than it is not living for him. If you want to be happy, go through these Beatitudes again. Because <clears throat> you're not going to be have any of those things from internally. Sure, you can try and do things externally. But if you want it inside, the one who is the peace has to live in here. You want to say, I don't know God this morning, but I want to. I want to make my peace with God this morning. Anybody?